All right, this guy missed it by one year. Too bad because he uh, had a story career at Florida. Still holds records in the SEC for touchdown passes and uh, was Gainesville's own. <clears throat> Grew up there, homegrown. Chris Doring, Cardinal, the SEC Network, Chris Doring Mortgage. And uh, I want to get him on today to talk about maybe the team the year before that was better in some ways. You know, when undefeated during the regular season, people forget before running into Tommy Frazier in the buzzsaw called Nebraska, Chris Doring was on that team. Wasn't there 21 years and a night ago? as we speak, when Florida won uh, the, its first national championship. And I've never asked you this, Chris, all the years I've known you. It must have been a mixed bag of emotions for you. One, proud of your Gators. On the other hand, having missed it by a year. Well, that's very insightful of you because, um, you know, obviously you look at my senior year and the things that we accomplished as a team that I accomplished personally. I mean, I had a chance to – to set the, the, the single-season touchdown reception mark in my final home game against Florida State. The same thing with the career record that day. Um, senior day, you're getting introduced against the arch-rival team that you really hadn't had much success about. We win that. We win another SEC championship. And to your point, we, we were the only undefeated team through the regular season and SEC championship in the history of the University of Florida program. I, you know, I still contend – and it doesn't, I don't want to come across as being sour in any way, but I still believe our team in 95 was the best in history despite you know, the three other national championships. You look at what we were able to accomplish, and, and we did run into to, uh, to one of the best, if not the best, team in the history of college football in that Nebraska Cornhusker team. But um, you know, I, I knew there was nothing in my mind that ever told me that this storybook that we had been living out you know, my entire career at Florida – from kind of walk on to, to scholarship guy to, to a starter and everything else was not going to play out with that final uh, chapter being exactly what it was supposed to be with us winning the national title. So for us to not only lose but to get dominated the way we did that night um, was hard for me to swallow. I mean, you look at that disappointment that Oklahoma faced the other night and um, losing in double overtime like that, giving up a big lead. You know, I, I'm sure that that was probably – harder for them to swallow given the finality of it happening in double overtime for us we knew the game was over probably third fourth quarter there and had a lot of time to deal with it but um there was never anything in my mind leading up to that game or even you know when we were in the first quarter up 10-7 at the end of the quarter that would have told me that that wasn't going to end any way other than us hoisting that national championship trophy talking with chris doing chris tom schmitz here now, you know, I came from a program that the playoffs were how we decided everything. Now we have a playoff in Division One, <clears throat> but there seems to be a school down in Orlando that doesn't care about the playoff. They're going to hang a banner. They're paying their coaches championship wages. They say they're the undefeated national championships. Come on, that, that as an analyst, that, that can't sit well with you. As an analyst, as a fan, as a, um, uh, a guy that thinks with common sense, none of that sits well with me. I mean, I... I it's you know they had a great season. They had a nice season. You know you went undefeated. You had a game that you beat a talented SEC opponent in a game where maybe they didn't or did or didn't have their best uh, most focused attention, given what had happened previously in that loss to Georgia in that same building. So yeah, you know, it's it's you know you're an undefeated team. That's great. You should celebrate that. The national championship thing is kind of a joke. Um, but shoot, we've seen in the past. I mean, back in the day, what Alabama still claims a bunch of national championships that were handed out 
that weren't necessarily recognized uh, nationally. It happened before bowl games that they lost. So, I mean, it's uh, I guess you have the right to do whatever you want to do, but at the end of the day, it's um, you know, it's a little little laughable at the extreme that has ta- been taken to at this point. Yeah, we don't count anything for the BCS uh, era, obviously, of our in that situation. And, and and I know what you're talking about. There's 16 national championships. But it's kind of a specious argument in a way. I mean, look back in those days. Number one didn't play number two. We know that. I lived through that whole bowl thing. I lived through the whole thing of who's a national championship. And by the way, the SEC didn't get a fair shake. SEC couldn't get on TV hardly at all back in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons was people didn't like they didn't have black players. And there was definitely a situation there that uh, you know was, had a bearing on it. But now i got to call you out on this because your old coach just told us just a few minutes ago, hang that banner up, man. Good for UCF. They should claim it. I'd do it too. <laughs> well, he, you know, he, he claims that 1990 yeah. championship, of which uh, you know I agree with him. I mean, it was uh, they were certainly best in the SEC that year, and then due to some things that had happened prior to any of those players or any of those coaches being there, they they took the title away. But um, you know, you can do whatever you want internally, and that's that's great. I just I don't think that's going to be widely recognized anywhere outside of the uh, Greater Orlando area. Chris, let me ask you this. Um, we got now set up an Alabama-Georgia a national championship game, which most people thought was going to be the SEC championship game. Auburn had something to say about that in the uh, Iron Bowl. But now we got Alabama-Georgia. I hear people all over Facebook, all over Instagram, all over Twitter. Well, it'll be a good game for the people in the southeast and the deep south, but it isn't a good game for anybody else. I just don't agree with that. Do you? Well, I mean, again, we're kind of biased being here in the, the center of all of it. But um, if you're a college football fan, you're going to be tuned in on Monday night. I've seen the same thing. I've seen UCF folks lobbying for fans not to turn the game on. I've seen other conferences complain about you know, this coming down to uh, just the SEC. But, I mean, is it not a plausible argument that two of the same teams very well may exist in the same conference? It's not like this is even a rematch of some we saw earlier in the season. This is a game, as you mentioned, we probably all felt like we'd see at some point in time uh, in the in the uh, SEC championship game, and it just didn't play out at that point. But you know, clearly with the domination that uh, Alabama had of Clemson, they've shown that they deserve to be there, in my opinion. Georgia, to me, has been a team that I've been on for you know, pretty much all the, the entire season. I look at what they've done in year number two of Kirby Smart's tenure in, in Athens. That is a very, very talented group of uh, junior and seniors on the defensive side of the ball, an offense that uh, plugged in a true freshman quarterback and really hadn't missed a beat, and if anything, may have taken it to another level. Uh, I just, I'm just i excited because of how many storylines exist in this football game and, and really want to uh, – I believe that it's the two most talented rosters, two most talented teams, and, and uh, we'll get to finally watch these two slug it out on the field, which should be fun Monday night. By the way, Greg McGarrity's name hasn't come up in this. The athletic director at Georgia, formerly number two guy to Jeremy Foley, and he got a lot of criticism for uh, getting rid of Mark Richt. Turned out to have been a pretty good move. I was one of them, by the way, criticized him. Uh, turned out to be the right move. He moved at just the right time. Imagine trying to hire Kirby Smart in the past in the past year. You know, it would be impossible to get that guy, and obviously he's he may be one of those guys that he may beat Saban, you know? Which is uh, yeah. that, that Saban's assistants have not fared well against him. Well, not- let, let's let's first of all let's credit Greg McGarrity because he made a controversial controversial move, and mm-hmm. that's you know that's something that he probably learned a lot from Jeremy Foley. Mm-hmm. He was not always 
the, the guy that made the most popular decisions, but the guy that really went with his gut and was um, moved when he felt like it was the right time to move. But let's also look at Kirby Smart and how many jobs he passed up and how patient he was in waiting for just the right opportunity. It just so happened that opportunity was at his alma mater. And I had a chance to talk to him on, on Monday night. We had him on um, the show after the game. And to, to look at, at him, it really took me back to the days when I was playing at Florida. You can talk all you want about coaches. And, and at the end of the day in the NCAA nowadays, the majority of them are hired mercenaries that come in that don't really have any connection to the university or the culture there. But playing for Coach Spurrier at Florida, knowing – how much it meant to him to be a Gator, how much he was able to speak to the experiences as a player. I saw the exact same thing from Georgia and him, the way he was able to relate to his team and able to relate to the fans. And after the game, he's running down the sideline, tipping his, tipping his visor and, and thanking the fans. Just reminded me so much of, of Coach Spurrier and, and really happy for those, uh, those Georgia fans. I know it's not popular amongst Gator Nation to, to give any sort of credit to Georgia or, or, or be happy for them, but – you know, if you if you'd have been there on Monday night watching all that go down in Pasadena the way I was, it's hard not to kind of get up, get caught up in the emotion of it all, and just um, you know, look at what they've done in just such a short period of time under Kirby Smart. It's uh, it's pretty impressive. Let me ask you this, Chris uh, Tom Schmitz here again. Uh, Dan Mullen hires two newest, two more assistants today. Sanceri, uh, I hope I'm saying that right, and 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 Knox uh, to round out his staff. Uh, what do you know about those guys, and uh, what can you tell us? Well, you know, I had an opportunity. Coach Sinceri was there at, uh, at Tennessee a few years ago. I had a chance to meet with him when he was the defensive coordinator there and impressed with, with him. He's a guy that's coached at the college and professional levels and, and certainly um, had two pretty good kids that played at uh, – one played at Pittsburgh, one played at uh, Alabama, and uh, those guys were fairly good players too. So he's been around the, the game in so many different ways, and I think it's a nice addition – to the staff, and then uh, Coach Knox here, I believe, right? Well, wasn't he just the interim coach at, uh, at yes, Mississippi State during the bowl game? Got so, a bowl game, one tax you know, slayer bowl. It, yeah. yeah, it's always nice when you can uh, bring somebody in that has that type of experience as well. He clearly got those guys ready to play in what was a, uh, a pretty good effort against a talented Louisville team. So, you know, I'm excited about what those guys bring to the staff, and uh, it's nice to kind of have have that uh, have that staff kind of taking shape. I uh, I wanted to get your your pick. I, I got a feeling you're leaning toward Georgia. Is that right? You know what? I, I'm, I don't know if I'm ready to go on record yet, but I, as you know, somebody was um, told me today actually that uh, Alabama was what four and a half, five point underdog, somewhere around that. Or I'm sorry, favorite. So it's kind of hard for me to uh, to go against a team that's had as much experience as, as Alabama's had in these type of games. And, and you mentioned the record of Saban against his former assistants, um, but I think this is probably of all those assistants, this is the best team that any of them have probably had going in to face that Alabama team. And, and um, so I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm completely ready yet. The thing that scares me, I think, still, and, and Jake Fromm has shown that he's yeah. wise and mature beyond his years, but going against that Alabama defense will be another story. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I I'll think about it here and get back to you, buddy. Well, you're sure you don't want to go, out, <laughs> don't, don't want to go national right now on the show. It's okay with me. But, but <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's uh, – you know, by the way, I heard a stat today. I don't know how accurate. I, well, Ivan, Ivan Maysell said it, so he's pretty accurate. Uh, I think Bear Bryant's assistants were like five and forty-five against him, wow. or, or six and forty-five. 
and those six were all different coaches. <laughs> Nobody probably, beat probably that much. similar record to uh, what most other coaches had against Bear Bryant, too. You know, I mean, yeah. he was fairly dominant over the years. That's I'd, I'd true. be interested to see what that winning percentage looks like versus the former assistants as well. Hey, Chris, I got to get this in. Buddy's going to cut me off soon, so I got to get this in. Once football season winds up, you and me, somewhere in uh, G Vegas or Ocala. Get the sticks out and get 18 Oh, line up your golf games on your own time. Well, you forgot all that. Yeah, I'm, I'm fair. I've been retired here for the most part with all these jobs He's I got. Working. He's working. He's a working man. Don't you know that? He's living in Charlotte half, the, half could, his life. I'll uh, figure it out somehow. Exactly. Well, you did a, had a good year, Chris. I know you enjoyed your TV gig at SEC now and all the stuff, and I'm sure you're going to be doing it again. So it's been a good year for the SEC, despite the fact that their regular season record wasn't very good. But boy, oh boy, I tell you what, uh, uh, another national champion uh, for the Southeastern Conference. That's going to be a good of, thing. Uh, kind, of, kind of funny, right, given the, the regular season record, given the bowl mm-hmm. record, to have two teams from the SEC playing for it all, I think it's a great statement again. And I, I just love you, – you guys are on board with this with me. I, I love the way that our conference, unlike everybody else's conference, kind of comes together and, uh, and celebrates. Even though we're, we're rivals with Georgia and, and Alabama mm-hmm. – Kind of celebrates their success and cheers on the uh, the other 13 teams within our conference. Yeah, my friend Mark always said from Big Ten coaches, I can't get over what you guys do down here. We'd never cheer for Michigan. He's an Ohio State fan. So you're right. It's a little <laughs> bit different than the SEC. You close ranks when it comes down to family. Hey, listen, Happy New Year, Chris. Thanks very much. All right? Happy New Year to you guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.